Yeah. So, dude, let's talk about your let's talk about your belt real quick because this this is uh, this is kind of a big deal, I think. Okay. So- because nobody makes a good pouch, and it sucks. Well, I I've tried a lots of them, and I'm still unhappy with everyone. And the worst part is, I was talking to a, uh, my buddy Alexis about it. I was like, "These new ones are pretty promising." He's like, "You say that about every one you try, right?" Yeah, and and they're always promising until you start breaking them. Yeah, until you put several hours of you know, or several weeks of dry fire on them, and you just like beat the hell out of mainly that first pouch. You beat the hell out of it, and but, then you just realize they suck. Basically, though, at Nationals, I picked up uh, one of those cards for 40% off Safari Land. So I I, I just grabbed them. I grabbed one because I figured someone local might need it. So I normally just grab one and like, hey, someone need this code. Here it is. But uh, yeah. I decided to go. I wasn't happy with the XIP pouches overall. So I decided to go a little old school and try the Safari Land pouches, which I'm pretty sure they've been making since like like 1990 sometime probably. Yeah, and so far I uh, I like them, and I think it's because they're they're simple. There's not much to break on them. It's super thick Kydex with a couple of bolts through it, and like a spacer on the bolt that acts as a roller. Right, and then they're bolted. They're basically end up bolted directly to the belt, so there's no mount that you really have to worry much about. These ones are in the uh, ELS clips, bolted directly to the uh, Fireland belt, so it's like a three gunner belt basically. Right. But there's there's nothing to them to break, so or that shouldn't break. So I think I think they'll be okay. I do like the way they they hold the mag because they're not very tall, so there's a lot of mag showing on them. That part's mm-hmm. nice, and they do seem to release the mags pretty well. They they look good in like a a minimalist way because they're just like you know it's like one piece of a kydex, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. you know between everything I've tried, so. The, I had uh, the original double off eraser pouches and basically like the little disc system that like locks them up to the belt. That sucks. and starts like stripping and rotating. Then I had the race master metal ones and the ball joints suck. They break off easy or the, the ball itself doesn't break, but like the little teeth that held it into the pouch would uh, strip off. Um, then after those, I went back to the racers because that was the, the best then i tried the gugaribus pouches and the pouch was good but their ball joint was awful like they broke really easy so their yeah. mount, basically their mount wasn't any good those pouches uh, are so heavy too they are <laughs> they're so much heavier than other ones and yeah, then i tried weird. some uh kydex pouches and that were made uh by long shadow and they were on the Safari Land like belt regular belt mount, and they were okay. But the way they fit the mag is like it when they were on the Safari Land mount, they're fine because the mount would give have some give, which is why I didn't like the mount. So I put them on tech locks, and when they were on tech locks, they were too firm, and the mag would bind up in them if it twisted just a little bit, and like really mess up a reload. So I went back to the Gugaribas last year for nationals and then ordered the XIPs and they started out really good, except mm-hmm. for the whole fact of it's a metal like ball joint mountain, a plastic pouch and would just like start twisting and wouldn't stay tight. So here we yeah. are. 
dude, you're like freaking Goldilocks and the three little bears. You're like, oh, this one's too soft. Oh, this one's too hard. I know I've spent, I know I've spent over a thousand dollars on mag patches. Oh yeah. Which is, dude, I think, I think my most, uh, like my most consistent pouches that I've ever run that like didn't move and didn't break or anything were my very first set of pouches that I homemade out of Kydex. And they were bolted uh, directly to your belt, weren't they? Yeah, they were a bolt directly to the belt with those freaking, those metal lock washers on both sides biting into the Kydex and everything. And you just like cinch the hell out of them and let it all bite together real hard. Like they didn't move at all. I think that might be the secret. That's why I'm trying these new ones. That's why I ordered, I just ordered the entire like Safari Land set. So they're all bolted together. Now, in a month, I might be like, yeah, these patches also suck. Yeah. But I think they're going to be okay. We will find out. We'll find out. It is a, it seems so far, it's like a never-ending battle trying to find something that's consistent and won't freaking break or or move. It's just like, like dry fire, I'm just like constantly adjusting my pouches. Well, it's, and you know, saying break is probably not the right word, like, I don't care if I have to replace one once in a while. I just don't want it to seem like the first pouch is always broken. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I've ran into with a lot of them. It seems like you're, you're, if I have to replace it more than once a year, it doesn't last long enough. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense to me. Uh, I got some big news. Big news, I got my first hundo in production. You shot a hundo Saturday? Shot a hundo Saturday. Didn't think it was a hundo. I didn't look until just a few minutes ago. Shot a hundo I shot on Saturday. One on, I shot one on Sunday. My first hundo in production. So that's pretty cool. Not bad. With, uh, what classifier yeah. was it? I don't know, 1808. It was the like the four and four and two boxes, and you shoot them all once from each box and reload, and then you got to do it backwards, two mm-hmm. strings. Uh, so yeah, it was pretty good. I think I dropped four or five Charlie, but you must have tried yeah, fast. It was good. It was awesome. First hundo, big milestone. I'm now an eighty three percent master, master, master <laughs> in production. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm sure you'll add that G in no time. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't bank on it. I usually take my time, meaning uh, I, I just don't try. I found production to be the hardest division to make GM in. At least for me, it was. The others were way easier. Yeah. Well, anywho. Okay. Mm. Well, first, we got to shit on Jeremy a little bit. Yeah. Um, he has Texas internet, so it's just like every other Texan. It doesn't work. Yeah. It, yeah. It's like a tumbleweed blows by and the friggin' internet breaks down. Which is also why we didn't have a podcast last week is because Jeremy's internet didn't work. Oh, my goodness. Friggin' so, tumbleweeds and, and friggin' dirt devils and everything else that interferes with their... The lack of internet really explains why he still shoots 1911s. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Kind of go hand in hand. Now, my grandpa loves the 1911. Right. He doesn't even have a smartphone. <laughs> yes. All right. So there's our p- 
proper shitting on of Jeremy for delaying the podcast. Y'all can send him some hate mail. Readpistolsmithing at gmail.com. Tell him his guns are ugly. Yes. <laughs> Tell him his guns are ugly, too. And, alright, so, it's just gonna be me and Jared. This probably won't be very long. Jared's not very good at conversation, so. I normally just look at people meanly and they go away. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Alright, so, we got, uh, well, first, we'll open with this question. Somebody messaged me and told me to ask Jared I feel, about... I feel like this is a question that's going to result in me punching you in the face. I don't think it will. I mean, that could be any question. I mean, just... Yeah. I mean, I'm, it just depends I'm on how you going, feel about I'm, it. I'm going with the assumption before I know what the question is. It says, on the next podcast, ask Jared about the Raw Time Championship. Oh, Raw time is all that matters at our local Tuesday night indoor. I was actually on Google today shopping for a champion belt, like a like a wrestling champion belt for Raw Time Champion. I'm gonna have a trophy made. A weekly traveling <laughs> trophy. Oh yeah. So so basically since nationals, I've just uh, on the indoor matches, I've just been going for a raw time. Like I I mean, I'm still shooting in control. Like, I'm not dropping, you know, 20 mics or something, but definitely pushing to be the fastest. Heck yeah. Get it once in a while. It's pretty pretty hard with 10-round gun, but I get it once in a while. Right. But unfortunately, last week, I did not get it. I thought I had it because I was, like, second overall or something, and my time was faster than the guy ahead of me. I didn't look far enough down the list to see that my buddy Keith had actually beat me by, like, half a second or something. Really destroyed uh-huh. me. We were having beers and Mexican food and looked farther down the list and saw that I was not victorious. And it was very sad. <laughs> My dog didn't even want to look at me when I got home. She was so disappointed in me. Man, she just freaking disowned you for your slow ass. But raw, raw time. What matters? That's pretty fun. That would be fun. Yeah, it's. I kind of view it like so Nationals is done. So it's like. Now's the time when I can kind of, you know, leading up to nationals, you're not really trying to change anything. You're not trying to learn something new or get real radical. You know, you're just trying to shoot. And now that nationals is over the last few weeks, it's kind of been, you know, the focus is like push the speed, get faster. Right. Dude, that would be cool. Like a lot of clubs should do that. They should have like a traveling trophy for a couple different things. Every every match have like a raw time belt and have like a high points belt. Uh, that would be no, cool. No, we don't need the high points. To Nobody do. cares about high points. Raw time, high over. Uh, all right, high overall. No, we don't need a high overall. We need a raw time. Nothing else high matters. Overall, high overall pistol. <laughs> it does. It doesn't even matter if you won if you weren't the fastest. <laughs> We're focused on the speed part of DVC. Okay. I'm just trying to think of other belts you could have. You you got any other ideas? They're not cool if there's more than one. I mean, it'd be cool to have like two different ones. No, it would not be cool. Is anything cool if somebody else also has it? No. What what was it that uh, Eric Steiner said they had at his club? Like High Asian or something? I'm pretty sure he just calls himself High Asian. I don't think that actually exists. Oh, <laughs> Anyway, that would be pretty cool to have something like that at, at a club. 
more clubs should do that. Chris, Chris Stallworth, if you're listening, you should do that at Scrap Club. That would be cool. I'll show up and take the belt. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm, get, I'm guessing my buddy Keith though sent you that question, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I knew he did. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun, though. I would do that. We do. We used to uh, like a steel challenge just to make it more interesting. At our local club, we would do uh, like, okay, this match, you can't shoot any steel, like, you can't shoot two steel plates right next to each other. So you had to shoot the whole match, like skipping, skipping back and forth, like adding extra transitions. Or we'd be like, you have to shoot the whole match, you know, strong hand or something like just something to make it more interesting, okay, right? Okay, shooting a whole match strong hand would be dumb. And, I didn't think Steel Challenge could get dumber, but now I know that it can. <laughs> oh, it's fun. It makes it more interesting when there's like, you know it's like else? two, you know, two you know, people. You know what else is more interesting than Steel Challenge? Sitting at Sunday USPSA? morning and watching some random church thing on my TV while drinking coffee instead of being at Steel Challenge. That's better. <laughs> no, Steel Challenge is fun. Mowing my yard would probably be more entertaining than Steel Challenge. No, dude, Steel Challenge is fun. Uh, yeah. But okay. but it can be boring if there's no one to compete with, right? If there's no one to challenge your raw time. Oh, no, I think uh, we have some very good Steel Challenge shooters around here. I'm just not interested in Steel Challenge. Like, would raw time be any fun if there was, like, no question you were going to get it every time? Of course not. Right, exactly. That's, what, that's my point. You gotta change things up to make it more interesting. Why don't, why don't you come up here and compete for the raw time trophy? I would like to, but Tuesday night—that's a long drive for a Tuesday night match. Hey, with the ammo shortage, we've been getting a lighter turnout. We've been shooting a five-stage indoor match, a four-to-five stage. Do you do you guys have good lighting in your indoor match? Like, can you see your sides good? Yeah. Okay. It's. It's lighted well enough, but the only thing you run into lighting is sometimes targets will be a little dark if they're kind of in between the baffles where the light doesn't hit them very good. But right. I don't have an issue with sights. Like last indoor match I shot here, it was just like so dark I could I couldn't see my sights. Like, uh, you know, trying to shoot fast and like the flash of the muzzle would just like kind of blind you and you couldn't see anything. So I just stopped going. Eh, reasonable enough. Yeah, we have like a lot of fun. If I can't, if I can't practice basic fundamentals, there's not really any reason for me to be there. We show up, we compete for raw time, then we go out for Mexican food and beer. All right. So does like the raw time champion get free tequila or something? Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah, somebody should buy like the raw champion gets like like a top shelf tequila shot or something. Yeah, and the previous raw time belt holder. Oh, yeah! I like this. I like. I'll propose this amendment to Raw Time Championship tomorrow. Yeah, that'd be good. That's good stuff. All right, we got another question that Jared is going to give his expert opinion on. (laughs) Not opinion. He's going to give his expert facts on. Any tips for seeing faster and focusing tighter while transitioning? You just have to do it. 
<laughs> yeah, seeing, let me read this again, seeing faster and focusing, focusing tighter while transitioning. All right. I don't, I don't, yeah, go uh, ahead. Right. I'm, I'm going to break off. And the first thing is you really need to look at those two things as separate things. If you're trying yeah. to work on both of them at the same time, you're not going to have any success with it. So as far as for seeing faster, what has worked for me is you just have to force yourself to shoot faster than what you can see and let your eyes mm -hmm. catch up. Like you're, yeah, you're gonna have to accept that you're going to have some misses in practice that you're, you're gonna, you know, not transition precisely to the target. Like <laughs> you just, you have to force yourself to go faster until you do it. Your eyes are never going to catch up. And that, that's, that's what worked for me. And I think that's probably what most people have done. I'm sure somebody else has found a much smarter and easier and faster way to learn, but mm -hmm. that's generally what I hear from people. And then as far as transitioning precisely, like you just have to train transitioning precisely. Like you have to know the exact spot you're going to look on target. And that can be done in a lot of ways. Probably the easiest is, you know, start with your gun pointed at one target and just transition and shoot two shots on the next target. But like, have your spot picked out, have the spots acceptable. If you need kind of a training aid, you could probably put like a black paster or something on it. Mm -hmm. But I don't personally yeah, like doing good that. Good. Cause I want to shoot the target. Same as what I'm going to see them in a match. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people do the black dot deal, right? Like where they want to be looking. I haven't tried it. I might though. But I mean, you just have to, it's like learning any other skill. You just have to break it down in the simplest form you can. Yeah. So just work, work on one transition at a time, transition again, precisely over and over and over. Yeah. And then add two targets and then add three targets, then add your draw. It's good. I have something for seeing faster. Um, yeah. So Jared said, basically you just have to do it. You have to do it faster and then basically you adapt, you adapt to that speed. Uh, your eyes adapt to seeing the sides faster, uh, your finger adapts, whatever you adapt to the speed that you're going at. So I was reading about, uh, myelination a while back. Uh, you know, it's like muscle memory, myelination or like synonymous, right? They mean the same thing essentially. Um, but there was like some sports, uh, sports science articles and what they basically said was, uh, performance gains are made when you have, uh, consistent repetition just beyond your capability. So basically, uh, you, you increase your, your ability and, uh, your myelination or whatever by performing consistently just beyond what you're capable of like not way beyond but just beyond like just out of your comfort zone just where you can't do it really well like you're just not quite comfortable so just beyond your capability consistently trying to hit that zone uh so yeah i thought that was interesting when i read it so yeah uh, and another way you can think of it is so <laughs> what we're referring to seeing faster like you're not pretty much anything you do. You're not going to get better. If you always like, if all you're doing is training it at your current ability, like if you're going, 
you know, 90% of how fast you can shoot a build drill. Your, your hundred percent is never going to grow. Like you have to push stuff past where you're at to grow your own skill, regardless if it's, you know, seeing faster, transitioning faster, whatever. Yeah. Like you, you have to force yourself faster to grow at it so that when you're, when you're in control, it's still faster than it was. Yeah. And, and I have found that if you don't do that, like if you just decide you're going to shoot, like try to shoot really well each practice, right? You're just going to try to shoot all alphas and, and try to like be in this match mode. Every time you go practice, you get slower. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just like, you get hyper-focused on trying to get your points and, and you move the other direction. It's yeah. kind of one of those things where you're, you're never really maintaining. So you, you need to have your periods where you're pushing your capabilities and then, you know, you have your, your little zone right before a major where <clears throat> you kind of reel it in and you're just trying to get used to this new speed that you've developed. But if you, if you don't push and you just shoot comfortable every practice session, I think you get slower and that's how it's been for me. Yeah. Because you're, you're, you're not, you're unwilling to allow for any mistakes. So then you start shooting safer and you stay shooting safer because you want to continue not making mistakes. And then you end up just going slower. But generally speaking, you're a lot of the mistakes you're going to make are still going to be there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Let's say you let's say you just have a marksmanship error and, and you push a shot down a little bit into a hard cover target or into a no shoot or something. Like, rarely does that have anything to do with like the speed you're doing everything at. A lot of times that error was going to be there whether you were shooting aggressively or if you were trying to shoot safe, the difference is you gave up all the time trying mm-hmm. to shoot safe and still made the same error. And I, and I, you got to look at that from the big picture. I'm not talking shooting completely out of control, like where you can't see anything that's happening and you don't know where those shots went. I'm saying that when you're shooting, trying to shoot super safe and not shooting to not make a mistake compared to shooting closer to your limits. Right, yeah. It's good. I feel like we really knocked that out of the park. Uh, we'll know when people complain about it. It's Jeremy's <laughs> fault if you don't like what we said. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Jeremy would have something interesting to say on this. Because this is what he was kind of dealing with. Uh, or we talked about this a lot in 2019, 2019 Nationals. Um talked about like you have to shoot the speed you have to shoot the speed and i guess just make the points happen but going slower to try to get the points like you're not doing anybody any favors because what you're doing is you're still going to make the mistakes except you're going to be way off the pace uh yeah well it's just like it's just like if you if you look at a partial target and you're like don't shoot the no shoot don't shoot the no shoot like that's what you're thinking about so if you're if all you're thinking about is uh don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake, then that's all that's in your mind. Where if you're thinking about going faster, you're going to go faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was Jeremy's best best finish at the Nationals thus far. So it could be a key element right there. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Good job, Jared. You're so smart. Well, I don't know about that. 
hey, two gun nationals was going on this week. Yeah. Um, I was super interested in it. Uh, <laughs> constantly updating the scores the entire time. Were you? Yeah. Someone told me that uh, TJ got second. And I'm like, who's TJ? Because I didn't even think about it. Like, I, I guess Todd Jarrett shot quite well. Got second. That's what I heard. I actually haven't even looked at the scores. Uh, I heard. I heard. I haven't either. I heard no one was close to Max. Leah Grandis, Max I think how you pronounce Leo, his last name. Is it Leah Grandis or Leo Leo Grandis or something like that? Uh, obviously, yeah, can he, you he's, roll the roll the R's in that. Yeah, he's obviously quite good, especially with a rifle. But he's also a very good pistol mm-hmm. shooter, and no one was close to him. I guess. So it's the 2021 Sig two-gun PCC and pistol multi-gun nationals. But I haven't really heard any complaints of it, so it must not have it must have been fun. It's just not wasn't something I was interested in, so I didn't really look into it, but Right. I don't even know what divisions there were, so I'm gonna pull it up. We're gonna we're gonna run through it. That's what we're I gonna think, do. I think it was just open and limited, basically like do you have a dot on your pistol or not? So we have Open and limited. What categories do we have, though? Oh, we got lots of categories we can go through. Yeah, the only category that matters is your division. All right, so overall, top five. Max Leo Grandis, Todd Jarrett, which he was like 8.5% behind. It's a pretty dominating win. Yeah. Uh, so Max, Todd, Scott Green, Josh, how do you say it? Freilich, I think. Freilich? Freilich? Frolic? I think it's Freilich. Freilich? Freilich, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Zach Smith in fifth place. And we'll go ahead and go a couple more because there's some notable names in here. Sixth place, Brian Nelson. Seventh place, Juanza Kim. Eighth place, Keith Garcia. Ninth place, Shannon Smith. And tenth place, Michael Huang. Huang? I know about half of those names. Uh, But those are the top ten overall. And only one of those was from limited division. Yeah, sounds like a pretty good mix of, you know, USPSA shooters and three gunners. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. So top five for limited: Brian Nelson, Tim Yackley, Rob Romero, John McLean, and Andre DeSanto. DeSanto. Sante, I think he's from up in like Minnesota. Oh, is it L silent? Sal. I think so. I don't know. Just asking. I don't know. Oh, if I see him at. Uh, Area three, I'll ask him. Ask him so we don't mispronounce his name when he dominates at matches like this. So that's it. Two gun nationals. Oh, wait, let's go ahead and cover the ladies. I feel like it's fair to cover ladies because, I mean, there should be a men's national champion and a women's national champion. That's fair. No, there shouldn't. Yeah, there should. Women can do anything men can do. You're either equal or you're not. Like. You don't get to pick and be equal sometimes and not equal other times. Yeah, but I'm of the mind that it, it's not equal, so we should cover women. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing's pulling up. Did any women shoot this match? 
overall. I thought I thought I watched on the live stream and they had a a women's trophy or something. There probably is. You're probably just not sorting it correctly. Probably. Let's see. It says there's 26 women. 26. Overall. Refresh. There we go. It's loading. How was your week, Jared? Tell me about your week. Mm. Oh, last week was awesome. We had Memorial Day off. So I trained over the weekend. Then I worked Tuesday and Wednesday. And then I flew to Colorado to shoot Rocky Mountain 300 last weekend. Then I, flew, girl. then I flew back on Saturday and I shot a local match on Sunday. Which I do want to talk about Rocky Mountain 300. Well, hold on. We got to cover women's three gun. No, we I don't. mean two gun. <laughs> Combine. All right, I'm trying to navigate around here. It's this is being weird. So I'll just scroll down till I find the friggin' the ladies. Is that the first one? All right, hold on. Junior lady, Justine Williams. There you go. High junior, high lady. High junior, high lady. National two gun champion. Well done. And the next lady I see is another junior. Looks like Linda Turnbull won limited. Open was won by Justine Williams. There we go. Mm -hmm. There you go. Now we can move on talking about Rocky Mountain 300. Congratulations, (laughs) ladies, for your victories. Congratulations. All right. So Rocky Mountain Mountain 300. It's kind of a little bit of a different match than the usual. So it is a five-stage match with all the stages having 60 to like, normally they're like 58 to like 63 rounds or something like that. Uh, Round count for the match comes out to like 300 rounds. 304, I think, was this year's. So it's basically five 60-round stages. Uh, yeah. generally you're not going to see a lot of like really tough shots or anything in it. It's going to be pretty quick stages. So like, uh, with production minus the all steel stage, all my production times were in the, you know, high twenties to mid thirties. Mm-hmm. But what's kind of interesting is it just, it's so much different than what you normally shoot. So you're, you're still, it's still going to be like your typical kind of hosey stage. But it's just double as long as what you're normally going to see. So for production, I had eight mag pouches on my belt. And I think I went to the last mag pouch on one stage. So you're doing you're doing lots of loads. Yeah. Um, but what's kind of interesting is you see people will start shooting slower as they get farther in the stage. Because, like, mm-hmm. you you get tired. <laughs> like, your trigger finger slows down. And it's definitely mentally taxing to do that, which is probably why the stages don't get too overly complicated. Yeah. Uh, but it's just a kind of a, a fun, different match out in Colorado. So fun place to go. Uh, always fills up fast. And fortunately, not very many people shoot production there. So it's don't have a ton of competition. I think there was only like 10 people in production, sadly, uh, limited and carry optics. Are kind of the two big divisions there, which carry optics is probably the most fun to shoot there because you know the whole 
red dot and 23 round mags is right. pretty enjoyable. Yeah. What, uh, what kind of hit factors are we talking on these stages? Uh, I mean, a lot of them were in like the eight to nine, I think. Well, let me bring it up real quick. Pretty high. Yeah. I, I am not a fan of the, the high capacity stages. And just like you said, like you slow down and I already shoot pretty slow splits. So when you All get right. to a stage like that, it's like by the end of the stage, I'm shooting like 25, 30 splits and that's as fast as I can go. So the hit factors for the stages were stage one, I had 11.37. Stage two, I had a 9.44. Stage three was a 60 round steel stage. I had a 5.65. There was a lot of makeup shots. It was, uh, it was definitely off on time. Uh, stage four was an 8.11 and stage five was a 9.87. So it's, as you can see, it's certainly very fast. Yeah, close to close to two, two paper targets a, or, what is that? One paper target a second. Average. Yeah, yeah it's pretty pretty accurate. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I don't think I would enjoy that. It's a fun match. You should try it sometime. Mm, probably not. And last topic is. That Jared and I have our our third match against each other this month. It is. That's why, yeah. why I went to that's why I went to Denver twice this month already, so I could get the lay of the land right. for the airport. So I was comfortable and prepared when I got there. Get acclimated. That's right. You used yeah. the higher elevations. Right. Yeah. Did you did you do some running, like run a couple miles, get your lungs used to it up there? I did nothing but training. I must have lifted. I must have lift, lifted probably at least thirteen or fourteen beers while I was there. So getting my exercise in. That's good. That's good. I hope it was your weekend. Weekend beers. No strong hand beers. Oh, <laughs> strong hand beers. Um. Yeah. So we're shooting the. What is the match? Big horn the classic. Big horn. Big horn classic. I've never shot this match. Uh, so, I haven't either. It was canceled last year. Yeah. But apparently the range is amazing. We'll see. And I'm looking forward to wrapping up this challenge and, and kicking Jared's ass a third time in a row. Just well, It's just three in a row. Jeff thinks he's going to kick my ass. He's leaving out the fact that we are staying together. So... <laughs> I'll be like force feeding him booze. <laughs> He'll probably be too hungover to shoot the match the following morning. I'll suck when you still lose. Yeah, not gonna happen, buddy. <laughs> I've, I've, yeah. been, I, I've been shooting quite well. I yeah. fully intend for this to continue on. I mean, and no pressure, right? No pressure because I mean, not. you lose this one and it's over, right? I'm not going to lose this one though. That's the part <laughs> you're you're leaving out. It's just not no pressure. Happen. No pressure. You seem awful nervous, Jeff. No, I just want you to be nervous, Jeff. It'll be okay. Are you flying in or I'm driving? I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous. You have to win three in a row in a row I'm, to to end okay. this deal. 
That's fine. No, I'm feeling pretty good, pretty comfortable right now. I might, I might, uh, I might cut loose a little bit on this one just to. I want you to bring your A game. Just because I can. I want you to beat, I want to beat you at your best. So good. I know you do. Cut loose to 100%. I haven't been able to do it yet, but maybe one day. Are you flying in or driving? I'm driving because I'm taking my family and I'm dropping them off in Denver with a friend. And then I'm driving the rest of the way. And then after the match, I'm going to pick them up and we're going to go vacation for a few days and and head back home. Sounds awful. (laughs) It'd be fun. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just flying in and then uh, carpooling out there with uh, Henning and his wife, Maylee. There you go. Yeah, Jared and I are rooming together. It's the first time I've roomed with the Squatch. I got us a single twin bed. Good, good. I like to stay warm. I sleep naked. It'll be great. (laughs) Good. Me too. Me too. No sheets. Air conditioner at 62 degrees. (laughs) Oh, God. Jeff is is ready for an excitement in his life. (laughs) Yeah. Woo! Oh, it should be good. Be fun. Jeremy's going to be there. Hopefully he's fixed his attitude by the time we go there. Or at least his internet. He, he's he's really been in the dumps lately. He needs to freaking, yeah, he needs to get his head out of his ass. Straighten up. That's all I'm saying. Jeremy's going to be so disappointed in you when he listens to this episode. <laughs> all right. Oh, well, Jeremy. Well, we missed you, Jeremy. I think that is a wonderful spot to wrap up this episode. Sorry that you only got me and Jeff this weekend or this Wednesday, I guess. Uh, Hopefully Jeremy is back to joining us next week. If his internet's fixed. And if you have any questions for the podcast, uh, feel free to send them in either on a Facebook or Instagram and try to get to them as soon as we can. Sounds good. Thanks everybody for tuning in and be sure and follow along. Just watch Jared get his ass kicked, and we'll just go three in a row, yeah, clean you, this deal up. You should be able to watch the the stage updates. I'm pretty sure they do like regular updates on the scores there, so you should yeah. be able to see me. You know, continue getting farther and further, farther and farther in front of Jeff as the day goes on. Yeah, until the last stage when he just loses it all, and I just take take the win. And we're we're on the same squad, so I'll be able to really put the pressure on him. That is unfortunate. You do have that going for me because I know you'll probably be an asset, and and that won't go well. <laughs> oh, I was nice to you at Ozark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what and, I mean. And I was nice to you at Nationals. No, I was actually nice to you at Ozark. I mean, you did kind of bully that RO into getting a like Mike turned into a Charlie somehow. You make me sound bad on here, dude. I did not even have a conversation with that RO. <laughs> I gave you so much shit for that target, and I never even saw the target. I don't even know yeah. what it was. Jeff's just like, yeah, he just turned yeah. a bike into a Charlie. I'm like, okay, I'll go with this. All right, we got to clear this up. Jared gave me shit literally all day. Every single stage, he brought up this target that, that I apparently bullied this, bullied this RO. What oh. happened was there was two shots... I walked up to the target, I looked at it, and I walked away. And that was it. Didn't say anything to the RO, and they gave me the hit. 
That was the, that was what happened. But was it hit there? I don't know. I didn't make the call. Sounds but like two it. ROs looked at it. They called them over. Two ROs were looking at it together, and they gave me the call. So what? What would you do? What like even I, if even if you didn't think it was, what oh. are you going to go tell two ROs that your your call is better than theirs put together? So they I, have the, I have the purpose. I have the perfect example for you. Last weekend, Rocky Mountain three hundred. RO walked by third. Goes two alpha. I'm looking. I'm like RO. That's not the right call. He comes back and looks at him like went up to the hardcover. I'm like, yeah, there's a shot up there. It's alpha Mike. What the score I shot? What? So he thought there was a double, or yes, he thought it was a double and it was not. Oh, mine wasn't a double. It was just an edge hit. There was an edge hit, and I looked at it. I didn't know if they would give it to me or not, so I walked away. I didn't even tell him to overlay it or anything. Now, in fairness, I do believe, Jeff, that it was uh, probably a valid hit. But I mean, it it depends on the RO, right? After he shot each stage, I was naturally applying the pressure to him a little bit there. He was naturally an asshole to me all day. That's Uh, what happened. No, I'm helping you get comfortable with shooting under pressure. Because you're uh, gonna have to, man. Just, just, I just, you're such a good friend. I do my best. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. Catch you later. Oh, stop recording! Damn it. <laughs>